You Are What You Read is brought to you by Book of the Month. My mother was a member of Book of the Month. I'm a member. My daughter is a member. And it is my favorite subscription service to give to fellow readers. When you join Book of the Month, there's a sense of community, a book club, one might say, with avid readers and thinkers, somebody just like you. Our reading list can get very long, and it's hard to keep up with all the books being published, but Book of the Month makes reading easy and affordable, and it's delivered right to your doorstep. You are getting the best of the best in literature each month for an unbeatable price. Book of the Month has a fantastic editorial team who read hundreds of books and serve up only the best to their readers. I was fortunate that The Good Left Undone was one of their 2022 picks, along with a roster of other amazing titles. They make selections across genres, so if you're looking for a romance, a thriller, historical fiction, a biography, an autobiography, you name it, Book of the Month has a book waiting just for you. Thanks to our wonderful friends over at Book of the Month, and because of them, we get to bring you a discount. Head over to bookofthemonth.com to choose your first book for just $9.99 with code ADRI, A-D-R-I. Thank you, Book of the Month, and thank you for reading. Hello, dear listeners. Have we got a show for you today? Our podcast has a guest that I have loved for years. She is the host of Lydia's Kitchen, Lydia's Italy. You couldn't turn on PBS and not see her face. She's the greatest. Lydia Maticcio Bastianich. She's an Emmy Award-winning host, a devoted mother and Nona, a best-selling cookbook author, a restaurateur. And did you know that she's one of the co-founders of Italy, which is like the mall for Italian delicacies? You have to go to Italy if you come to New York City or any of the places that she has Italy. In this week's conversation, Lydia and I sit down at her family table and we talk about stories and ideas and inspiration for her life's work that's going to leave you feeling inspired. We're going to look back on her journey as an immigrant when she was welcomed into this country by Catholic Charities and this empire that she built with Italian artistry, American ambition, and the influence, the ongoing influence of La Familia, her mother. We begin this national treasure story in war-torn Europe during World War II. I come from Istria. Istria is now Croatia, but it was Italy uh, until World War II. Uh, as the end of World War II, Italy was on the wrong side, lost the war. And uh, in 1944, it ended. And then there was a, a sort of a waiting period between 44 and 47. Mm -hmm. What? How is the border going to fall? How is it going to be divided? And the Paris Treaty of 1947, ultimately, between the Allies uh, and the, the Europeans, they decided that the border would go down, Trieste would remain Italian, and Istria and that whole area was given to the communist Yugoslavia. So we were Italian in, 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 in now became communist Yugoslavia, changed names, languages, and all of that. And uh, my mother was uh, an elementary school teacher, so she, she was, uh, you know, very mm -hmm. involved in children and, and teaching. And uh, she uh, couldn't, uh, after 
communism came, she was asked to be in the Communist Party. She refused. My father was a mechanic. He had a little business. He was incarcerated because he was considered a, a, a capitalist. And uh, being behind it, now you see, I was just born at that period. So right, right, right. remain because there was an exodus. There was an exodus of the Italian, uh, Italian people of that area that went back into Italy and into the world. Some 44 to 43, the borders, there was an exodus. So people really took all their belongings with carts, carts, donkeys and carts. They would bring their things across to try to settle into Italy. But then, of course, Italy couldn't handle all the influx of these immigrants. And sure. at the math of war, Italy was in a poor state. So a lot of people went on into the world. Uh, but uh, I was just born and they said, OK, uh, where are we going with the new baby? They waited until the 1940. Uh, uh, when, when the border went down, then it was locked completely. You couldn't go anyplace. So we, my parents decided to stay there under those conditions until 1956. In 1956, they decided that they couldn't raise us in that situation. You know, you couldn't speak Italian, you couldn't go to church, you couldn't do many things. So we had relatives in Trieste. And uh, my uh, my mother, my brother, and I, we went to visit an aunt in Trieste. Supposedly she was ill. But uh, they wouldn't allow the whole family to go. My father had to remain as a hostage. And uh, ultimately, the three of us went. And about two weeks later, my father literally escaped the border. You know, he ran over the border. Uh, the dogs were running after him, but he made it. And we were reunited in Trieste, but now we were refugees. We went to the, I guess my parents went to, uh, to claim uh, you know, uh, refuge, if you will, and they put us in a refugee camp. So they, we were for two years, San Saba, now it's a museum, but it's, uh, right. it's a right. camp uh, on the outskirts of Trieste, and it was uh, where they used to hold also the, the Germans used to hold Jewish... Uh, right, it was like a, a concentration camp in Trieste. So we were there for two years awaiting our turn. The countries that were taking people in at that time, not unlike you know, today, there was, but it was Canada and Australia and I think South America and then uh, America. Mm-hmm. We were in 1958, uh, you know, Dwight Eisenhower was the president and uh, he opened immigration for uh, people fleeing communism. And we were brought here in America by the Catholic charities. What I love about uh, you is that you always are reinventing. And I loved this book, Lydia's um, the, the Family Table, because it's really that avenue into all of Europe. And I think Americans have a hard time understanding how close everything is. Yeah, well, in your latest book, uh, it's between what is it, uh, uh, Scotland, Scotland yeah, uh, yeah, and some France. Uh, That's right. And then again, you know, the aftermath of the war. Uh, it is all close, and all, and everybody's running, I guess, for a better life, or you know, where they get a job, or where they can, ra- you know, raise a family, or where they're comfortable. It's why America was such a shining city on the hill because it was we could get jobs here. We could raise families, you know. You and your beautiful mother were very, very close. She's in heaven now. Can you just tell folks really how she informed the person that you became? You can imagine, you know, uh, having small children at that age, taking them into the unknown, 
in the camp, you know, online for food, on into the world, uh, you know, looking for a place. Now, you know, there's uh, we didn't speak the language. We didn't have anybody in America. So she had a tremendous strength and support and really held the family together. And she has supplied that strength and force for me throughout my life, my career. She lived with me. She helped me raise my children. And ultimately, she helped me in the restaurants. She would make gnocchis. She would make pasta. She would, you know. So she is part of this, if you will call it success, that, uh, uh, you know, Lydia is. Yeah. Well, you know, you're considered really the gold standard in uh, Italian cuisine. And now I see you really almost like the sun, there are rays permeating, you know, you're giving us the goulash, you're giving us these recipes, these hearty recipes that are really the melange, the Italian cuisine, that how influenced it is by every culture in the world. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. You can tell, I mean, you put a plate in front of me and depending i can tell you which region of italy it is by now italy is small smaller than california but yeah on my side it was on that side trieste was uh, slavic austro-hungarians ruled there so germanic and all that on the other side piemonte the french the savoyas the spaniards look at sicily if you look at the cuisine of sicily it's all about turkey Middle East. Exactly. All the different occupations that... Africa. That's right. That came through, the, the Spaniards and all of that. And it's amazing to follow and see the regional cuisine of Italy, 20 regions, and they all have a story, a history. I mean, you were in your novels. I, d- I dive deep into it, Lydia, because like you, I mean, you're such an inspiration to me because you have such a love of culture, but you put it on the table. You make it part of the essence of life, how to live. I mean, I feel like your show for 25 years has been a primer and how can you live better? It's not expensive. It, it doesn't have to be. Of course, there's things you can make that are fancy. Okay, great. But I think what I find in your, in the way you teach us and the way you bring us, you're telling a story. And I thought that with the most current book that you do with your daughter, Tanya, that the story is Italy was just voted the number one culture on the planet earth. I mean, and there are some incredibly great historic, I mean, let's face it anywhere. You could go to Asia, you could go to South America. There's all these, but Italy was number one. And I'm going to posit this to you because I think this is why it is because as Italians, we have every culture in our DNA, every culture. You wouldn't call it assimilation. I don't know. You could, but you know what I'm getting at here? Absolutely. No, Italy does have about, I think it was 70% of the world uh, culture. Represented. That's right. So, but Italians were also curious. They were travelers, whether the Romans, whether, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they love to discover and find and search for better things, new things. But also, mm-hmm. I think what Italians have, this this desire to live well. And also the importance mm-hmm. of being closeness of a family, the respect of a family, that gives you security and, and uh, comfort. But 
within that. We love to eat well. We love to live well. We love good music. We lead to literature. And I think people would be shocked that you have any time to read, but I know you're an avid reader, which I think says it all about you. Um, that you're always curious, always curious about ideas and storytelling. I know, but that's that's what makes you you. You know, you you sort of dive in and you discover and all of that, and then in you it builds this really complex world of words. For me, mm-hmm. I discover products, and I it builds this complex kind of in the pot. But I must say, you know, I am true to the Italian culture. In a sense, I feel like being a conduit of that culture. Born in Italy, there's not, nothing better than that. And then uh, kind of growing up in America, there's no two better cultures in the world. It's so true because America, I always like to say Italian artistry and American ambition. Like if you put those two things together, there isn't anything you cannot achieve. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that's my, you know, the, my formula in a sense. I was blessed to be born in art, artisan tree and and then I came here young enough, you know, uh, the business aspect, the marketing aspects, this is all American kind of. So I put those two together and, uh, you know, it worked. Uh, but, you know, some of the things that, that you, you said are important in all of that, that there needs to be a sincerity, uh, um, a humility, uh, uh, you know, that's what you do with your words is I want to reach the people that watch me that come i want them to cook these recipes i want them to enjoy the flavors that i sort of bring but they're really italians flavors the people of italy have enjoyed these forever and i am just the conduit well i picture you always under a loggia with a giant table filled with your fabulous friends and you make new friends all the time, but always you have your friends and your family around you. And people don't understand if you make the effort to cook, fill the table with people you love. And, and I learned from you. I learned what wine, what, to, you know, and you, your some of your friends like Jacques Pepin, he is so French. He should be on the flag. He is <laughs> French down to his butter. But there is such a sharing of your expertise with one another. I mean, it's a be- it's a beautiful thing to see. Well, you know, he is, Jacques is a true professional. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they say, I watch his show. He is great in his techniques. And so, you know, as you continue on, now, I've been 50 years in the restaurant industry, cooking 50 years, but I always learn something, especially from Jacques, from other people. And I'm always anxious to learn more, to discover more, to taste more. It's just, uh, uh, you know, the curiosity, I guess, of wanting to know, because ultimately those things that I experience in finance, oh, I'm going to share that with my audience. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you do. I try. But Lydia, this is something you do that women behind your back, this is what we say about you, that you're youthful, you are vibrant, you, I mean, you're as beautiful as ever, but you have this, that the second half of your life, all the training and the the restaurants and the business and all that, now it's opened up again. And we think you're ageless because you're doing what you love to do. Now, do you think that's true? 
Absolutely. I mean, you don't have any, there's no guile. You're just, you're who you are. And, you know, women struggle with this. They think, oh, you know, it's what the cultures tell us, right? Women, you know, you hit 50 and it's over. He said, are you kidding? 50 is like you're just getting started. Exactly. Because, you know, you have to think about all of the knowledge that you accumulated into those years. Now, what are you going to do with that? You're going to bottle it and throw it out? No, you've got to share it. You know, uh, especially in, in, in this kind of industry that you artisan, if you will, in a sense. Look, uh, all the great masters, the school of Michelangelo, the school of that, you know, as they went on, as they progressed and they get better and better, they had their students behind them and they shared with them. So, you know, it's women that do achieve, that do make it. They have to kind of collect all of that and share it back to the next generation. And there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. It's beautiful. Whether it's your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, you go to school, to libraries. I mean, listen, your television show. Your yep. television show educated an entire culture for 25 years yeah. about how to do it. You're the gold standard. So that easygoing way you have on television, were you frightened at first when you started it? You know, the, the first thing, that, how I got on television, let me let me tell you. When I opened for Lydia, that was in 1981. Oh, one of my favorite restaurants of all time. Mario Cantone and I concur. Ah, yeah, yeah. Mario, dear Mario. Delicious, delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I, you know, I was a young woman, chef, and people came in. And, uh, uh, who came in? Julia Child and Jenny Spear. And she wanted to learn the risotto because risotto wasn't yet cooked in America. They was You need those, those kind of products. Ultimately, the products came. And so she came in and she ate uh, a mushroom risotto. She loved it. She came the second time. She wanted me to teach her how to make it. She came to my house and we kind of became friends. And ultimately, she asked me to come on her show. She had a Master Chef series where she had different chefs come in. We did two episodes. One of them was the risotto, whatever. And from then on, the producer says, Lydia, you're pretty good. How about a show of your own? And, uh, you know, she said, Lydia, you do for, for Italian cuisine what I did for French cuisine. So I thought about it, you know, oh, my goodness. So true. Yeah. I said, okay, uh, I'll, I'll consider it. I said, but two things. I want to be on PBS. And secondly, that we do it in my house, in my kitchen. Now, I, the kitchen is pretty, pretty big. And I did that because... You know, I was never in front of cameras. I was kind of skeptical. Could I make it in front of cameras? So I figure if I'm in my own kitchen, you know, I know where everything is and whatever. And sure enough, it took off because the cameras were in my house. I was in my house. I was comfortable. My mother lived with me. She was upstairs. So we had this whole support system. Fantastic. And the kids were in school and or little and they would come in and go in and out yeah and when they came in i included them in the show the grandkids got included so it was a natural extension of what really was happening and i think that that's also what really resonated out there with the audience and all of that reality of cooking real food so you're kind of an in because of your mom uh mama you could teach you saw teaching as an avenue with your craft it, you're devoted to that. You want people to learn how to do this. Yeah. In retrospect, I, I figured it out. It was maybe her teaching uh, whatever, her profession plus teaching me and my children, whatever. That kind of instilled in me that, that wanting to share and wanting to teach and wanting to pass on knowledge. And this idea of how to live, let's get into that <laughs> because- 
you're so elegant. And by that, I mean, I think elegance, one of the great words, there's no stuffiness with you either. You're very funny. You're a storyteller. You're very funny, but your elegance, I, I was struck by it, Lydia, because a lot of times we meet people, you know what I'm talking about, and you're a little shocked. You say, oh, they've got a, they're, they're skillful. They're at the top of their game, but they're missing that. Oh, I should just say it. The raising, how you're raised, how you're raised. And when you're raised hungry, you have no reason to be elegant. And yet you are. Well, you know, I think it's in the simplicity, the, the humbleness, mm -hmm. uh, all of that. And I think that, you know, uh, you have to be who you are. You eventually develop yourself in who you are, want to be, because you do the research and you go in that direction. So it's, it's, uh, uh, that, that you, 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 at least in my case, uh, mm -hmm. what I saw, the features that I saw, whether it's my mother, my great aunts, and all of these, the classical women and grandmother, even though, you know, my grandmother was a farmer but she had an elegance she had an appreciation she had a respect and those are basic values that can transcend in any part of your life can you talk about catholic charities for one minute because that's a really good group yeah they, gonna, they still are i'm sure that they get you to do it <laughs> they get you to do everything you know it's time to give back and i think also that immigrants that come to America, there's no greater country for opportunities to bring your life. Lydia, we can solve this immigration crisis at the border, can't we? Now, you came in 1958 as a little girl. Okay. Why people came over when the families came in 1913 and 1920 at Ellis Island, they gave the babies milk, they fed you, they welcomed you. And that inculcated a sense of loyalty to this country yeah. to put these people in cages, these beautiful people who I call the new Italians, the Mexicans, the Colombians, the Ecuadorians, everybody that comes up. Right. They're coming here for life. Going back to, to, to the who helped us as immigrants was exactly, you know, the in the aftermath of the war, the Catholic Relief Services, which was the Vatican, because mm -hmm. Italy had lost and it was poor, the Vatican committed to helping to take all the people, the immigrants fleeing communism into the safe world. And so the Catholic Relief Services put us in the camps and they took care of us. They fed us. I mean, I was online. I used to get spaghetti, tomato sauce and an apple every single day, but it was, thank God I got it. And, uh, and then when we came here, the Catholic charities took over. Now the Catholic charities, because, you know, we are Catholic and so on, Catholic charities are wonderful. There's a, not only the the, the, uh, the religious element of it, but there's a lot of lay people that are part yeah. of this movement. And my I myself, you know, after all I was given, because we were brought here. We were, uh, they gave us an apartment. They found an apartment. They dressed the apartment. They found my father a job. They subsidized us with food and money until they got working. And then... Slowly, we started our life. The community itself, the Italian-American community rallied around us and one step at a time. And, uh, you know, luckily enough, we, we made it. We worked very hard. We respected it and we made it. And in my sense, now I feel it's time to give back also. And the giving back is really the full circle of all that. I mean, I feel you've been giving and giving and giving, but I see what you mean. 
It's a debt, that opportunity debt. There's nothing like it. It fuels your ambition to give, to give, to give, doesn't it? Yeah, because you, in, in giving, you continue to energize new life, new education, because, you know, uh, for these young people, there's nothing like education. That's what gives it. So they need that opportunity. And what I do with food is, yes, I do it with television. I do, I work with autistic children, but I do events. I go, I cook uh, uh, for whatever the, the occasion or the, 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 the uh, organization is. People come, they pay, and that's how we fundraise. Oh, I watch you. You're all over the place. I think you were just in San Francisco doing something. You're always cooking for a mob. I mean, it's hundreds of people. You have a vision for sure. For those of us who had the privilege of going to Felidia, I mean, it's an ambiance. It's a feeling when you come in. You did it with Italy. I am obsessed with your vision of things. When I go to Italy, I am so excited it's curated in there. One shelf has this, then the next one has that, and one thing is more beautiful than that. Where did that come from? It's Italy itself. This is it's just showcasing it. You know, it's like an orchestra. You need all those instruments to make nice harmonies and all so on. So, I mean, you know, Italy was the the founder, uh, Oscar Farinetti from Piemonte. Uh, he felt he had this vision. Uh, you know, slow food, Petrini. Petrini was uh, again. He was afraid that those. Traditional products would get lost with the modernization of food. Sure. And so he encouraged the small producers that produce traditional Italian products to continue. Italy started with having a, a store with all these unique products with this artisans, the Italian artisans to be showcased. And then I, you know, I was curious, I was going to Italy and I said, I'm going to meet this uh, Oscar Farinetti. And uh, he, the first Italy was in in uh, Torino. And uh, he, you know, he had, he's a visionary. God, it's so brilliant because you can't get these products just anywhere. It, and it's a curation of all these little farms and vineyards and dishes, even your ceramicists and your art. And it's a marvel. It's Italy's beauty, you know, the, the charm of, of the beauty of Italy. Now, Italy is smaller than California. I know. It's just so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That that has such an effect reverberating worldwide because you know who comes up there, who goes there on vacation. Everybody. Throughout whole history. Asia, Russia, wherever they're from, they come over that border to Italy. They can't wait to get there. You know, I do it with food. You do it with words. No. You do it with words and food. I mean, I'm so in awe of you. I mean, truly, you're one of my favorite people, Lydia. I love everything about you. And I think you have a resplendent soul. I have never met a harder worker. I mean, when I think of Italy, I think of that, the artistry, the elegance, the, the work ethic. And before I let you go, can you speak to, because I think, it's so interesting to me. You sort of backed in via Julia Child, the television show. It wasn't like you were lying in bed your whole life wanting to be a television star, and yet you are. And you did it on your own terms. Can you speak to the new generations and maybe talk about what hard work has meant to you? Uh, you know, I think is uh, the essence of what really makes things happen. And you have to have... Mm -hmm. passion 
You have to nurture that passion with knowledge, educate yourself, read a lot, find out about, and then you have to put it in practice with work. So the ethics of working, I recall that my grandparents were, and my mother and father, work was the element that was life that was respected work uh, you did because it fed your family because it uh, it sort of uh, fed the whole neighborhood it it generated new things it developed new ideas and so on so i think the that the ethics of work whether it be manual physical mental or whatever it's that we owe to ourselves you know if we were given a gift of a passion or if we love to do something and if you don't do something about it nurturing that and ultimately if you don't develop that into a flower of some sort then you have forsaken the guy upstairs who gave you all those gifts oh that's so true that was that's so beautifully said i think the great american humorist irma bombeck said it this way at the end of her life she wanted to be like she hoped that she could meet God and say, I used every gift you gave me till there was nothing left. And when I think of her, I think of you because I think you use every talent, every aesthetic principle. Well, I, you know, I get a thrill if there's a new idea. Oh, gee, how about that? Yeah. Where'd that come from? Or a new machine? I mean, Italians love new machines. <laughs> a, a better way to do something. I mean, that's why we make the most beautiful cars in the world, I think. Yeah, look at the cars, the architecture, music, art. You know, I wonder, sometimes I ask myself, how could this be, this little country? I think you described it. I think it's the influence of all those cultures over centuries, from the Saracens to the Etruscans, all these, the Vikings, the Africans, the, the Asians. I mean, it's all there. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Lydia, you are an international treasure. And I just wish you every good thing because there's nobody like you and we need you. You are a gem of the Italian community, this extension that sort of captures uh, the essence of Italian love in words. And Americans just love reading you. They love my food, but they love reading you. Thank you, Lydia Bastianich, for 100 delicious and essential recipes and a canon of work that keeps us cooking, loving, and connecting at the family table. And thank you to your daughter, Tanya, for collaborating with you on this latest great cookbook. Next Tuesday, we've got the brilliant Jacqueline Woodson with her latest novel, Remember Us. And we talk about her life in books that began in Brooklyn, New York. For more updates, please join me over on Instagram at You Are What You Read podcast. Thank you for listening, and always thank you for reading. <laughs>